I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message. Today is June 3rd, 2022. It's Friday. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. Share, subscribe, and tap that notification bell if you have not. Uh, we've got a Locals Community Q&A today, but before I get to that, you know, I've been talking a lot about Elon Musk lately. And as I always say, it's like we shouldn't be doing hero worship with anyone. He is as flawed as any of us, but the guy is an individual fighting the system, and that is good. One, two, three, there you go. That is good as far as I'm concerned. And it's not just that he's fighting this administration on inflation and he's actually building things like electric cars and rockets, all of that stuff. Even now, uh, he is fighting within his own company to get people to actually go back to work. Two and a half years, basically, after the beginning of this uh, pandemic, this scamdemic, whatever you wanna call it, this COVID nonsense, uh, there are still a tremendous amount of people that are basically only working from home, only working from home because often they're not working, doing everything through Zoom. We know this is crushing creativity because when you're actually in a room with someone and a bunch of people, you might have a better chance through a little bit of human interaction and reading people's faces and actually being there and the tension of being with people uh, that it might actually burst forth new ideas and everything else instead of just keeping everyone in little boxes. So the guy wants his people back in the office and he's laying down the law and I thought this was super interesting. Here we've got some info from the New York Post. Elon Musk ordered Tesla staffers back into the office full time on Tuesday and invited employees who weren't happy to pack up and pretend to work somewhere else. In a terse email sent to corporate Tesla staffers, Musk wrote that anyone who wishes to do remote work must be in the office for a minimum, and I mean minimum, of 40 hours per week or depart Tesla. This is less than we ask of factory workers. If there are particularly exceptional contributors for whom this is impossible, I will review and approve those exceptions directly, Musk added. Moreover, the office must be a main Tesla office, not a remote branch office unrelated to the job duties. Screenshots of Musk's email circulated on Twitter Tuesday in response to a Twitter user who asked Musk for his response to any Tesla employees who think in-person work is an antiquated concept, Musk once again bashed remote workers. They should pretend to work somewhere else, Musk said. You know, the reason that I think this is so great is not that people cannot work remotely and not that certain people have health issues or other concerns or everything else, but all of this has led to a serious breakdown of society at so many levels. You know, after traveling a lot over the last two months on tour and going to major cities, Chicago, Denver, New York, et cetera, and seeing the midtowns of these cities that once were, were humming and, and jam-packed all the time and you'd see people everywhere in restaurants and people on sidewalks and all that stuff, to see the sort of urban decay that's going on in all of these places uh, is pretty awful. It's, it's awful for a city, it's awful for a society, it's awful for our psyche, which is perhaps why so many people feel so disconnected with everything. The other part that I think about, uh, that I think is so great about this, is that he's saying the buck stops with me, right? Like we don't have enough people in society these days who are like, enough is enough. Enough is enough. We had two and a half years of this and now we're gonna get back to normal. Not a new normal. How about the old normal? It was pretty good. We're gonna get back to that. And that he's saying he personally 
we'll review the cases if people really feel they cannot go back to office. And he's just making no excuses. We're in an endless time of excuses and nonsense and that slow de descent to hell. And he's just saying enough is enough. And I think that that is absolutely fantastic. And that's all I think about that. All right, let's get to some Ruben Report dot locals dot com Q and A. Uh, ben says, Justin Trudeau is making Papa Castro proud. In other news, California just got dumber. <laughs> Did you hear a San Francisco school district is going to ban the word chief from job titles because of racism against Indians. Yes, I did hear that. California is a dump. San Francisco is a shithole. You must leave if you live there and you would like to remain part of a functioning society and raise a family of people who are sane and productive on this pale blue dot. Yeah, it's just done. It's done for now. Will a phoenix rise from the ashes of California one day? Perhaps but it is going to reelect Gavin Newsom again. Uh, the mayor, London Breed, I think is her name, she just announced she's putting more money into getting trans homeless people off the streets. Regular homeless people, you can stay there. We're gonna get trans people. These people are horrible. They don't prosecute crime. They put more drug addicts on the street. They give drugs to people. Get your, and, and then they're worried about the word chief if that's causing racism. It's like, good God, get help. Gellersh says, with the push by schools to indoctrinate kids into racial and sexuality issues, Daily Wire Kids is creating DW Kids. Is locals similarly recruiting people to make kid-centric content? So first off, if you don't know what he's referring to there, uh, the Daily Wire is putting $100 million into kids programming. That's absolutely incredible, 100 million bucks. On top of that, PragerU, as you may know, they have a huge kids programming section right now, PragerU Kids, and that's absolutely blowing up. Uh, yes, 100%, one of the next things that locals and Rumble are gonna be working on are building out these verticals so that, that we will be focused on gaming initiatives and the politics initiatives and the kids initiatives and all of those things. Uh, so we're onboarding all sorts of people and we'll hopefully have some announcements on that front. But yeah, it's like, let the old things burn, get rid of Disney+, Plus get rid of Nickelodeon and all of this woke nonsense and let's build new things. Isn't that, isn't that sweet? Mark says, are you bummed that the Heat lost to the Celtics or have you been ignoring the NBA? I gotta tell you, I had a moment the other day. So I'm at a restaurant and somebody comes up to me, a fan comes up to me and he says hi and we're talking for a little bit and he's like, oh man, you know, you're in Miami and I know you're so happy and you're loving Florida and Miami's great. Blah. And he's like, you must be so psyched about the Heat. And I did not even realize fully that it was the NBA playoffs. I didn't know the Heat were in it. If you would have told me the Heat had 10 wins this season, I would have believed that. I don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, I would like the NBA to come out of the woke stupor and hopefully it will one day, but no. So I guess apparently the Celtics are going to the finals if I'm, if I'm reading this correctly, or at least the Eastern Conference finals, wherever they're at right now. Uh, so good for the Boston Celtics, I suppose. And I'm sorry to hear that for the good people of Miami who deserve a winner. Uh, but I just don't care about the NBA anymore. I just don't care. Uh, o for B says, California is asking that people not charge their electric vehicles this summer because the system cannot produce enough electricity to handle the expected demand for air conditioning. Can California ever recover? Will the voters left in Cali come to their senses? I mean, I sort of referenced this earlier. Look, there are some decent people in California, you know, Michael Schellenberger, who I've had on the show, is running for governor against Newsom. He's not gonna win, obviously. 
Uh, but he's trying to fight and fighting the good fight is worthy. And everyone should have a time in their life when they fight that good fight. But I don't think you have to spend your whole life fighting that good fight from the same position. So I lived in Cali, I fought the good fight, I pushed for that recall, I campaigned with Larry Elder, and then I just said enough is enough. They audited me, I thought this place is going to shit, I just don't want anything to do with it anymore. But it's not that I gave up the good fight, I now fight the good fight here from high ground here in Florida. Florida happens to be very flat, but I'm fighting it from metaphoric high ground where there's a place that is, there is a castle worth saving that can be saved here in California, uh, Florida. And that's what I'm interested in doing. And it feels a lot better. And I think I've, I've survived and thrived to uh, borrow from the subtitle of my most recent book. Um, so Callie, I just think Callie is screwed for now. There'll be pockets. There's pockets in OC. Shout out to all my people in Brea who come to all my stand-up shows. Um, there are pockets. Uh, Northern Cali has a little more of a libertarian spirit, but the machinery, it is so deeply corrupt. The voting rolls are so screwed up. Everything is so highly taxed. And think, of, think about it this way. Think of all of the people, the I think around 200,000 people, if not more, who fled California in the last two years. These are productive people who are good members of society for the most part. They took their families, their jobs, and everything else. Even if you take my team, my handful of people who were all good members of society, paying their rents, paying their mortgages, paying car payments, going out to dinners, spending money in the community, being good neighbors, going to church, blah, 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 blah. And we all just got the hell out. Over time, that actually hurts Los Angeles, it hurts California, and I just think it ain't coming back anytime soon. Kevin says, did you get any inspiring messages from Jordan on Tuesday night that you'd like to share with the community? So we could throw that picture up of Jordan and I. From, uh, from dinner the other night. Yeah, we had dinner, just the two of us in Miami. He was here for a couple days before he jumps off and uh, continues his tour in Europe, which he's, uh, he's super psyched to do. You know, we had about three hours. We had about three hours. We did an early dinner. It was a 5.30 dinner because, you know, it's tough for Jordan. Unfortunately, it's one of the catch-22s of, uh, of fame. Uh, it's very hard for Jordan to go out to dinner publicly because he gets mobbed by people and he loves people and he's, he's kind and decent to everyone and tries to give everyone time. Uh, but if he was to go out at primetime dinner time, it's like his meal, and trust me, I've been with him many times for this, uh, you know, the, the meal gets overtaken by people coming up to say hi, and he never wants to be rude to anyone. And, you know, I get some version of that. You know, if I go out to dinner, like someone, two, three, four, some, I don't know, maybe a dozen people sometimes will come up to me, but it, it's not the level that Jordan's at. So he's really had to change his lifestyle because of this. And I think that there's a, well, he even acknowledged it with me. That's, that's something like it, it's his life now. It's, it's his new life. And I think sometimes uh, to some degree he longs for that old life. But anyway, we had a three hour dinner. We just had an absolute blast. Um, I don't want to talk about everything that we talked about, but we got into some pretty deep personal and political stuff. And we are going to do a podcast together live in Miami in July. We're going to figure it out. Uh, we'll maybe post it across both channels or something. And we're really going to try to get into some new ground related to fatherhood, related to same-sex couples, related to wokeism and the excesses of it, but really try to cover, we really hit some new things last night that haven't been fully fleshed out in public yet, so uh, I will kind of leave it at that. I will say one other thing, which was um, he, uh, he said something sort of very nice to me about my evolution and where things have gone and that, uh, you know, that he's proud to have been a part of that, so yeah, that was nice to hear. Uh, Mark says, to fight the evil Klaus Schwab, uh, who's the head of the World Economic Forum. Do you take James Bond or Austin Powers? Oh boy. Uh, you know, I have to say, I watched the last uh, Bond movie. What was the last one? No Time to Die? 
pretty good, and I feel like that guy, although it didn't end well for him, he could have uh, he could have taken out the Klaus Schwab. Uh, Nick says, since you still have Netflix to rewatch Seinfeld, have you seen the new season of Stranger Things or the dangerous new Ricky Gervais special? Well, first off, Connor, can you get me Seinfeld on some sort of server? We have a server here. Can you get me all the shows on the server so that I can cancel Netflix? Can you do that? Okay, Connor will figure that out. That's number one. Uh, number two, I have not seen the new Gervais thing yet, but I love Ricky Gervais. He's an actual comedian in a time when comedy's pretty beaten up, although I do have to say I was quite hilarious on the tour. Uh, and what was the first part of that question? It was Ricky Gervais on the second part. Oh, the Stranger Things. You know, we watched the first two seasons of Stranger Things and I loved it. And it's a real throwback to Goonies and sort of 80s, a little bit of Ghostbustery, but you know, it's a little more kids focused kind of stuff. Really loved it. We started watching season three. And I was sort of like, just kind of been there, done that. I'm guessing it's probably good and you're probably digging it. So uh, I had no problem with it. The music was great, the, the kids were fun, all that good stuff. As I said, it, like the Goonies heartstrings to me were great. That just the sort of like these kids, like just on an adventure. I just kind of loved, um, but I just, it just kind of petered out for me. There you go. Uh, Anya says, do you think some companies will resist the temptation to rainbow their logo? And if so, which one? Well, that's a good question because everybody in the last two or three days, everybody's going full rainbow on Twitter. Mercedes Benz, although they work with the Nazis a long time ago, they're very rainbowy right now. Uh, every company's out there. Disney, of course, they're all very rainbowy. They love diversity. They love inclusion. Uh, they love tolerance, except they're not tolerant of other people, but they love tolerance of the people that they pretend to be tolerant. Uh, I don't know, I, I'm guessing SpaceX ain't gonna throw up a rainbow. I'm guessing Tesla ain't gonna throw up a rainbow. That would be nice. Uh, by the way, all of that being said, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And you idiots are actually turning, you're making good people prejudice against gay people by jamming this shit down their throats. And I don't mean that metaphorically, or I do mean it metaphorically. Kathy says, do you know which baby is biologically yours and which is biologically David's? Will you tell the boys ever? So we do know. Um, I don't want to get into all the considerations on how we made every decision, but I, I will broadly say that we went with the strength of the embryos. That really was because they actually grade the embryos in terms of strength and their ability to survive and all of those things. Um, we're not going to tell other people, and I suspect over the years that people will kind of figure it out, but our plan is not to tell other people. And will we tell the boys? Well, we're going to try to be as honest as we can as parents. And when the questions come up, we will try to on, uh, answer them as honestly as possible. Um, but in terms of other people, um, we, we're just going to let it be, raise the kids with, with an awful lot of love and go from there. Uh, Tony says, as an ex-Californian, how do you convince people in your new state that you fled for freedom and that you're here to help? I see a lot of fear that Californians are gonna turn states blue, but data in Florida is showing an influx of refugees and it's turning more red. Yeah, I've hit this a couple of times. I know so many people here and so many people come up to me when I'm out that are new refugees here. And they're coming from New York, they're coming from Connecticut, of course, they're coming from Cali, uh, they're coming from all over the place and they're coming here and th there is something different. The COVID thing, and then the, the summer of violence and the destruction of the cities and the defunding the police, all of the crap of the last two years. I think it was so obvious that, that this was happening because of Democrats, because of progressives, because of these policies. People really know why they fled. In the old days, like if you took, say 10 years ago, someone's fleeing Cali. Why were they fleeing Cali 10 years ago? It was purely on taxes. 
It was purely on taxes. Like I'm sick of paying this amount of money, so I'm moving and I'm going to Texas. Then you get to Texas, and for some reason, you, that it doesn't override in your brain. It doesn't fully connect. So you get to Texas and you start voting for the same stupid things. It's different. I can tell you it's very different here in Florida. I can't speak to exactly the, the influx in, uh, say, Tennessee or Texas specifically. But here, everyone I'm meeting, an awful lot of people from San Francisco, awful lot of people from LA, they get what they fled. Many, many people saying I'm voting Republican for the first time. And it, more than anything else, like more than the political part, when you see how many people are happy here and functional here and out and about. And what that does to you on a day-to-day -day basis when you're around it, um, and then when you connect that hopefully to the politics part and you go, oh, there is a connection between say keeping a state open and funding the police and having safe neighborhoods. There's a connection between all of that and kind of being happy. Well, hopefully you're gonna vote the right way. So I make sure, I always tell my neighbors, I'm here to keep Florida, Florida. You got nothing to worry about. Leslie says, how much does your faith affect the forming of your political and or policy opinions? Well, I wrote a, about this a little bit in Don't Burn This Book and then I expanded on it a bit more in Don't Burn This Country, but I would say that you humans need to believe, period, period. That doesn't mean you can't have a phase where you don't believe or you can trick or that you can't trick yourself or, or I wanna word it right, that you, I believe a certain amount of people can trick themselves into thinking they don't believe. But I think belief is so connected to what it is to be human, to be a fully functioning human, that you will believe in something whether you believe it or not. How about that? And, and I, Jordan Peterson obviously talks an awful lot about this. And I think one of, the thing that's, one of the things that's been really interesting over the last couple of years is that people of faith, and it doesn't matter, the, the specific faith doesn't matter that much actually, but people of faith who believe in something else, something eternal, something before us that, is go, that went on before us and that is gonna continue after us, they've, I've consistently found to be way more tolerant and way more sane in an insane time. Uh, the, the people that didn't wanna force everyone to be injected, that understood what the role of government is, uh, that wanted to make decisions for themselves, they generally were people of faith. I don't mean that they were all uh, you know, Bible thumping and going to church every Sunday or that they were all yarmulke wearing Orthodox Jews or they were devout Muslims. But there was a certain set of people who were just like, I believe in something else, something other than, oh, I pick up the New York Times and my God, I have the Bible handed to me every day and here's what reality is, because it ain't reality. So the people who found all of their belief in the nonsense of the day, they pretty much all went crazy because Mainstream media is designed and Twitter and, and social media, it's all designed to make you crazy. So I would say the, for me, the more I've entered that world, the more I've returned to some of my family's traditions, things like that, cared about holidays more, I feel that it actually has made me saner. And as I said a few weeks ago, uh, you know, when, when Passover, which of course coincides with Easter, when I was doing the Passover Seder with my family, it's like we're reading this Seder, which is you know, the story of the Hebrews leading leaving Egypt and, and going to the promised land, going to Israel thousands and thousands of years ago. And it's a story of freedom and the fight for freedom that takes place every generation. And it's like, that makes a hell of a lot more sense than most of the nonsense coming out of CNN and Washington Post and everything else. Taylor says, will you be taking time off when the babies come? Babies, I mean, since they are arriving about a month apart. Yeah, so uh, we got one due in August, one due in October. I'm told my life is about to significantly change. 
Uh, I do the August off the grid situation. So um, at some point in August, baby one will arrive, uh, but we're gonna, we're getting the house in order now and all that kind of stuff. But my plan is to be back, uh, you know, right after Labor Day for that first show, the back on the grid show, and then the show will continue as is. And, uh, you know, I'm sure my life will change to some degree in terms of working and taking care of kids and all of those. There's just no doubt that that's gonna happen, that that's gonna change. Um, and then for baby two, because that's in October, um, I may have to take off a couple days around that, um, just depending on, you know, uh, all, literally like just the logistical stuff of what's gonna happen in terms of birth and where we're gonna be and all of those things. Um, but hopefully not too much time off, that would be my hope. Uh, Joe says, I've heard the new Top Gun film is t quite good. Have you seen it and heard any feedback or have any feedback? I have not seen it yet, but I have some America loving friends that I have a text thread with who really did dig it. Uh, however, I have to say, and this is gonna upset a lot of people, I did not love Top Gun. I did not love, what do you think about the Top Gun? You like the Top Gun. You you love the Top Gun? What's the deal with you and Top Gun? Somebody in your family loves Top Gun. Uh, you didn't love it? Didn't somebody? Anyway, I know you gotta love Top Gun. Goose, the other guy, the guy in the plane, what's his name? I get it. Uh, you know, the song, the motorcycle, okay, the sun going down. Um, didn't love it, little slow. <laughs> I thought it was a little slow, but I'm hearing good things about the second one and I will watch it. And I heard it's, it's not woke and it's kind of almost fully pro-America, so. Pretty good, pretty, pretty good. Ian says, how do you maintain your sanity and relieve stress over worrying for the fate of the country? I'm only 25, but I have an uncertain feeling for the fate of the union. Uh, all right, Ian, well, look, let me tell you this. I'll tell you what I tell David all the time. So David is usually dealing with most of the, the sort of day-to-day -day stuff in our lives. We're redoing stuff in the house right now. We have babies on the way, managing our employees, like all the stresses that happen on any given day. Right, and, and those are the things that stress him. And I get very little stress out of those things, but I am always stressed about the bigger things in the world, or I don't want to call them bigger, but like sort of the more blue sky or ephemeral things like Iran could get the bomb. The communists might take over America. Uh, the end of freedom might be here. Like those are the things that I worry about where a certain set of people worry about sort of the immediate things in front of them. I think that's kind of why we work together as a, as a couple, but I feel you. But I would say this, as 25 year old, if you're too worried about those things, I would say step back from those things a little bit. There, there is only so much you can do to save the world. Um, but to, to quote Jordan Peterson, it's like if you can get your life in order, clean your room first, then you can clean the world. So if you have some stuff to do to kind of get your life in order, which I'm sure you do at 25 years old and I do at 45 years old and everyone watching this does one way or another, it's like if you can do that a little bit more in your life, then some of the other stuff won't seem so crazy. It's also why I try to do the show the way I do and I, I try to do some silly stuff along the way and I try to make you laugh and I always say it's like when I, the best compliment that I can get on this is, hey Dave, you help, you help me stay sane or you made me laugh about the news when everyone's trying to make me miserable. So the best way to change the world is to change yourself in essence. And uh, I suspect if you're watching this show and you're in this community at 25, you're like, you're kinda on the way, but if, I really mean this, like if the day-to-day -day stuff, hearing about inflation and hearing about Ukraine and guns and everything else, even if watching me is not bringing you some degree of joy or something, then you don't have to watch for, for a little while at least. Take, take a day off, not, not too long here, I mean. But, but I really do mean that. It's like there, there's a fight in the world that is always gonna go on, right? We didn't start the fire, right? It, 
and, and uh, listen to the whole Billy Joel song and it's kind of in there. This thing has been going on and it's always gonna go on. And it does feel, it feels uncertain. I guess that's what it is more than anything else. At 25, when I was 25, I thought the world felt certain. It was like there was a certain order to the world that we felt was gonna continue. You're growing up in a world, and especially at 25 now, so you've spent your, your early 20s in a world that feels very topsy-turvy, right? It's like, it feels like it's built on quicksand, but there's opportunity in that. And that's the chance for you, because there's always a way to build a better mousetrap. There's always a way to pave a new road and do some new things, and that's what you gotta figure out for yourself. And says, Dave, is there one major sentiment or feeling that you took away from meeting with fans during the tour. Yeah, I really love you guys. I have great fans. I really mean it. It sounds cliche and ridiculous, but everybody, everyone I met, huge smiles on everybody's faces. A lot of people wanted the one second hug. Some people tried for the two second hug. Some husbands gave the wife their one second to get the two second or vice versa. Um, and it was just great being out there laughing with people. The sentiment, the sentiment was like, and I, I would stop sometimes in the middle of the show to just kind of get everyone to look around. You are in a room with jam, you're in a jam-packed room with 500 other people that are all laughing right now, all having fun, nobody cares what color you are, nobody cares who you're sleeping with, nobody cares about any of that nonsense, and that's the America that we all had, that we let them take away from us, and we gotta get it back, and people, people know that's right, we know we wanna do it, we know we wanna get it back, and we just gotta do a little work to do it. That is all I gotta say about that. On that note, everybody, have a great weekend. Part two of my interview with Dinesh D'Souza is up on YouTube, I think. We'll see what happens. Uh, parts two and three of my interview with NBA star Jonathan Isaac are up on YouTube. I'm pretty sure they stayed up. So have a great weekend, and we'll do it again on Monday. Ciao. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubenreport.locals.com.